Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of The Grind Podcast. Uh, We're excited you're joining us again. And uh, I'm Dave McClung, and with me, as always... The Chad Grigsby. I am your Robin to your Batman. No, that is not the case. <laughs> you are the Batman, and I am the Robin. And uh, maybe know, know your role, Dave. You're Batman. <laughs> know your role. <laughs> yeah. uh, not Batgirl, but I'll, I'll take Robin. So, uh, All right. <laughs> anyway, and we have special guests with us today. Uh, we're doing kind of a different episode of the podcast today. We're going to kind of talk about essential questions for church planting, questions that everyone needs to answer uh, as they are, or before they are planting, as they are planting. And so we have our illustrious team leader, Tim Wicker, in the house. Well, hello, hello. Well, if you're Batman and you're Robin, what does that make me? You're I'm the, a little nervous. You're the joker. You're the wicked. You're the joker. <laughs> No, no, you're you're the wicked. Remember? Yes, thank you. That autocorrect in the bulletin that says saying Tim Wicker corrected to the wicked. <laughs> the wicked. Thank you, Chad, for reminding me. That's of who that. you are. Yeah, that's right. Today's guest people? speaker, the wicked. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I must say that uh, Tim's nervous. You know, this is his first time on the podcast, and we didn't get to script this like Tim wanted to. So. Uh... <laughs> It will be fine. It will be fine. Thank you, Dave, for pointing that out as well. Yeah. The love in this place. Hey, I just want you I just want you to know I literally changed your name in my phone to the wicked. Thank you. Like that's that's literally your name now. Okay. What what image comes up when you do that? What what kind of image do you get there? It's your face. It's my it's face. Says the, the wicked. wicked. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Batman, Robin, and the Wicked. And the Wicked. But we're not the only ones here. Amen. No, we're not the only ones here. You have heard us talk about him. Uh, He has been the man behind the podcast, behind the scenes. And uh, we have also with us Nick Burt, our production minister, manager, whatever we call him on that particular day. Say hi, Nick. Hi. (laughs) He is a man of many words. And uh, so... uh, This ends the Nick portion of the show. (laughs) Yes, yes. And uh, uh, it it consisted of all of about three seconds. So, uh, but uh, short and sweet. That's right, short and sweet. And so, uh, all three seconds of this podcast so far. Yes, yes. It it started (laughs) off with a bang, I must say. And uh, always, uh, we just wanted you to hear Nick's lovely voice. He does so much work. Uh, on this podcast and makes Chad not sound good, which is a very big task. And uh, and now he gets the, the added pleasure of bringing Tim into this as well. So uh, uh, we're always thankful and always grateful uh, for his work in, in this. So we just wanted to, you to hear his voice uh, today. So uh, like I said, uh, kicking off, we're going to do kind of a different episode this time. And uh, wanted to, to really kind of wrestle with, and uh, as Chad says all the time, we want to wrestle this to the ground, uh, kind of drill down on some essential questions uh, for church planters that need to be asked before you plant, uh, some during uh, planting and kind of different phases as we plant. And so probably going to do this in two parts 
And uh, so we'll cover uh, as much as each of us like to talk and uh, as much wisdom as we have to impart on each of these questions. You know, we probably should do this in about five minutes, but it'll probably take about 30. <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to split this up into two parts, and hopefully you guys will enjoy this, and this will be helpful uh, and encouraging to you as we work through some of these essential uh, questions. And so, uh, so we're going to kind of kick it off, and, and uh, as Chad, Tim, and I kind of talk through some of this. So, so guys, one of the first essential questions that we need to work through for every church planter is, is how do I know that God is calling me to, to plant a church? Uh, rather than just be a pastor or a youth pastor or whatever in an established church? What are some of the things that, that guys need to pray through, think through, listen for um, as, uh, as they're dealing with a call to plan to church? Great question, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Dead air That's is our not, enemy. <laughs> that is not how you put it on the, on, on the list here in front of me, the question. But, uh, uh, you know, there's a... Uh, God works as God works. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't, we can't define and, and don't want to put on him uh, a, put him in a box. Uh, he does what he does. And I think he calls different guys in different ways and through different, different means. You know, we, we look at, we look at guys that we want to plant a church and we tell them that God loves them and we have a wonderful plan for their <laughs> life. Right. But, but, but I think there's, there's some truth in, in that, other people sometimes see and can look into a guy who's who's ministering, who's serving, who's sharing his faith and leading people to Christ and discipling them that that may or may not fit into an existing church. And uh, you know, God God works through through other believers to affirm or confirm or maybe even point out um, a, a call or a potential call in a guy's life. I think that's one of the ways that that uh, we um, see God at work and uh, open doors for guys to. Uh, begin exploring that whether church planning is for them or not yeah 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 i think um you know this this answer is somewhat polarizing because you got to be careful with this but i think there's a holy discontent you know like you know god's kind of calling you when there's just a a little bit of a, a stirring that the norm uh, there needs to be an, a fresh expression other than the norm, and and like I said, that's a you got to be real careful with that because you can get guys who react to what we typically known as church in in our culture uh, and reacting against that and just bashing that, and putting that down. But I think I think you know God's calling you when you just feel like, man, we've got to try new ways, new expressions, new new models of trying to get the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. So, uh, with, with a big risk of being, uh, <laughs> you know, controversial a little bit, cause you don't want to be a jerk, but there is a holy discontent. I think that, 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 that we seem to seem to see a common thread of holy discontent. I was asked one time by, by, a, a church leader in Arkansas and he asked me the question. He said, are all of your church planners angry at the established church? And I said, I said, no, I, I absolutely not. Uh, I, I think there, there's two things in, in this that we've got to keep in mind and, and that church planners really have to wrestle with honestly. Uh, this is one of those areas you, you can't gloss over. You can't uh, hope it will get better. 
I think you've really got to, to wrestle this down to the ground and say, okay, here's where I am on this. I think there does have to be a holy discontent. Uh, otherwise, you'd just stay where you are. If, if there yeah. wasn't that drive uh, of being called to something else, then God would leave you, you where you are. And, and just because mm-hmm. God is calling you away from something doesn't mean that the thing he's calling you away from is a bad thing. It's just God stirring something different in you. And so, so there is this, uh, we define this holy discontent by the fact that God is drawing us away from something to something else. And so here's the second aspect. There's got to be a calling to something else. It's not a running away Absolutely. from something. Uh, it's not, uh, I hate where I was, so I'm going to go do something totally opposite of that because I hate where I was. That bitterness creeps into that. Uh, arrogance creeps into that. And, and that, That's not a holy discontent. No, that's just a discontent. That's a discontent, yeah. yes. That's a good word. And yeah. so, so when you're dealing with a call to plant, you need to decide, okay, can, can I do what God's called me to do and stay where I am? If not, then maybe God's calling you somewhere else. Okay, if he's calling you somewhere else, then is it, am I running away from something or running to something? And, um, and so I think those are very serious questions to ask on the front end. And, and, we, and Tim mentioned it a while ago. I think others are going to see in you God leading you to something. Um, when we stepped out to plant, uh, help plant City Church several years ago, uh, my, my dad, we were attending the church that my dad pastored at First Baptist Sherwood. And when we sat down and told him that we were going to step out and plant City Church, he said, I was stunned that you stayed with me as long as you did. He said, we knew this was coming. And uh, if, if you share your vision to plant a church with, with multiple people and they look at you and say, uh, I don't think that's a good idea, then you, then you might want to kind of question that calling. Because I do believe God affirms our calling through his people uh, from time to time. Church planting, like any minute, it's not. It shouldn't be, and hopefully, it's not a career choice or a ministry option. But there's, it's a obedient reaction to God's call. God, God lays on a heart. Hey, this people over here. Uh, you know, Jesus said, "I'll build my church." Yeah. Jesus is alive and well. He is seeking and saving uh, the lost, and and He's using us to do it. And so He's He's laid on the heart of a guy to 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 reach this people, this population segment, this this underserved population segment in our state or across the country, across the world. And so He's it, it it's it's a response to what God is doing. Yeah. It's joining, you know, to to borrow a phrase, it's joining in what God is already doing. Just being obedient to to follow Him. Uh, it, it, defining a call is really difficult to do. Yeah. You know, it's really subjective. But uh, there's there's some sort of profound impression from God that says, okay, for the next whatever, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to move forward and do this. And and uh, I think it takes the form, lots of different forms. It takes a lot of experimentation maybe and exploring uh, possibilities. Yet uh, when it comes down to the final um down to the final word, there's this sense uh, in in the church planter or in the pastor that hey, I can't do anything but 
yeah. this, and yeah. I'm using my hands to talk on the radio. Thanks. <laughs> We're not actually on the radio. On the podcast, but, uh, <laughs> I'm using my hand to make a point here. Context. You yeah, know, context. I, you know, it's really hard. It's really hard to, I think, to balance that wanting to go into church planting for a career because there is so much money in it. There, you know? yeah. and, uh, <laughs> There's not anything easier to do, you know, than, than church planting. Uh, I, I think I think what we're saying is, Dave, is we've got to be proactive, not just reactive. And and guys, we forget that everything that shaped us growing up was probably the model that it, that's been around for decades and that's shaped who we are that's shaped a lot of these planters so don't forget that you came to christ under a different model that you um, were discipled uh, under this model so there's got to be you can swing the pendulum too far being reactionary and throw out the baby with the bathwater. and uh and there's a lot of failed church planters that would tell you um me being one of them that you can do that and you lose um, you lose a lot that way. Well, and that's, you know, with anything, if it becomes more about what you're not than what you are, you're, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. And, uh, yeah. um, and that, you know, it takes all kinds of churches, all kinds of people to lead those churches, uh, to reach all kinds of people in the, the varying contexts and, and, and places and people groups that God has, even here in Arkansas. And, uh, and, and God is doing what God has done from time immemorial. He continues to raise up people to send out to the world uh, with unique gifts, skills, and callings to connect the gospel with people that don't have it. Uh, that haven't responded, and so, so that needs to be the driving factor in in responding to a call to plant. And, and if and if God's leading you to do that, there's going to be a a burning desire within you that will not be quenched any other way. Uh, we we hear all the time, you know, guys say, "If nobody comes with me, I still have to do this." That that's what we want to hear, because uh, that'll that'll drive you through the difficult times and the challenges that come in planting a church. All right. I think we kind of beat that one to death. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. We got, I have three pages of notes on that one that yeah. I haven't yet explored, but we can move on. Yeah. <laughs> the definitive word there. Uh, on, there uh, there's, a, there's a blog post coming from Tim Wicker on this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, and, and to tie in with that for a, kind of a second question, uh, okay, God has called you to, to plant a church. Um, there, there is going to be a, a, a particular uh, expression of that calling, and, and it will come in the form of where and to whom he is calling you to. So we need to think through and talk through, you know, how, how strong of a role does the place and the people that God is calling to you, calling you to play in, in your calling, in your desire to plant a church? Not just in your calling, but in right. what kind of church or what right. form, what expression that uh, you are, uh, you start there. Context is everything. Yeah. Um, as a as a missionary, as a as a believer going out um, and and seeking and saving that which is lost, going after fulfilling the Great Commission, reaching people and baptizing them, discipling them, and uh, you know. 
the command is to go. Uh, yeah. At least part of the command right. is to go and and make those disciples. And uh, we we go a, a, into a different context than what we're in. And so I think the who we're going after, we need to we need to approach, or who God is calling us to, we need to approach with first a stance of learning and uh, understanding that culture. We may have been part of that culture in the past, or have that have that uh, understanding. We may need to learn it. And, and grow in our understanding of it's to a different place or to a different different people. But uh, the culture, uh, uh, the context in, in which you're going and the people that which you're going to is essential. Uh, understanding that culture is essential in, in order to, to plant the kind of church that will reach them, sustain them, disciple them, and help multiply them out to other peoples and contexts. Yeah, I think God uses you know, all sorts of motivations, um, for, for us and our calling to plant. But for me, the, the people in place is a huge, huge aspect. And that was kind of my motivation for wanting to be a part of what you guys have been doing with church planting is because of the people in place in Northwest Arkansas, you know, an area of Arkansas that's, um, very unchurched, unreached, comparatively speaking, um, uh, number 43 on the Barna list for least churched metropolitan areas in the country um, as of April last year. So for me, and I don't know if it's across the board for guys, but, but but that's a big motivation that how do we get the gospel to least reached places? How do we get the gospel to people who aren't being engaged? And I think for a lot of guys, that's that's kind of where the call to church planting starts. You know, it's like Jesus looking at the masses, looking at the harvest and saying, look, who's working in this field and who's going to go there and do this work? And it, and it, it, it puts that compassion in your stomach, you know, that, that gut feeling of somebody's got to impact that place. So I think, I think it's a huge part. Uh, I think it plays a strong, strong role. And I think we've always got to be looking at at who it is that God has called us to reach. Um, you know, every context has has nuances to it, and the more you immerse yourself in that context, the more uh, those nuances are going to surface. The better you'll know how to communicate the gospel within that context. Uh, you know, we say all the time that the gospel is always good news. But how it is good news to a particular group of people varies based on language, culture, things like that. The gospel does not change, uh, but how they receive that, that good news and how we communicate that good news so they can receive it, uh, I think is important. So the better we know the people uh, and the place that God is sending us to and calling us to, the, better, the more effective we'll be able to be uh, within that context. Uh, Will Mancini talks about, and we use this in our church planning training all the time, the, the kingdom concept, where you try and drill down and, and surface the, the primary, what he calls local predicament, or the, the needs of the community, the people that God is calling you to reach, to really drill down and get at the heart uh, of what are the challenges that, that God has you know, placed before you with these people, and then to, to look at the, what, he, what he calls the apostolic esprit uh and or the redneck version is apostolic spirit uh but looking at the the passions that are are driving you 
to that particular group of people? What, what is it that, that burns in you every day that gets you up in the morning that, that drives you to the community? What are the things that, that are just hot on your hearts and minds uh, driving you in this plan? And, and then the other aspect is the collective potential of the group that you're working with. What are the unique gifts, skills, and talents that God has assembled to unleash on a particular group of people in context. And when you pull all that together, you really define not only who it is that God has called you to reach, but how best you're going to do that, what the church needs to look like model-wise, the, the, the activities that you need to be doing, the, the ministry things to do and not do, all of that stuff plays into that. And so uh, all part of exegeting your culture and context and, and um, uh, building the church that, that best fits that context and people. Yeah, I'll say too, um, Tim, after you talk, I'll say something. <laughs> <laughs> no, go right ahead, please. No, thou art the, thou art the leader and the wicked. You please proceed. <laughs> I was, uh, I, we, we often get the question from either somebody that's thinking about church planting, whether it be a church planter or a pastor looking to, to help sponsor or partner with a work or an associational missionary, we get the question, where where do you guys think we need to, to start new churches? Yeah. Have you got some areas or some places uh, that, that need? And, and we, we do a lot of demographic studies. We've got ideas. We've got thoughts. But I, I think the question goes back to what Dave said said earlier. It's where, where's God at work and, and what has God laid on your heart? Either as a church planter or a a, uh, a sponsor, is there an area? Is there a people that that you're seeing that's underserved that we can uh, partner together with you? Oftentimes, I've I've seen it dozens of times where a sponsor church or a partner church says, "Hey, God's laid this on our heart," and at the same time, one of our guys is talking to a potential church planter that's saying the exact same place or yeah. the same people. Yeah, and uh, that that's fun to be able to put those together too. But yeah, you know. Th- this is all about the advancement of the kingdom. This is all about walking with Jesus, who, seeking and saving the lost. And, and as, as he lays on the heart of the sponsor church or the church planter, the association, uh, it, it, it is to a people. It, it, it is to a people that aren't being reached, that need the gospel. Yeah. I think this brings up, too, I think it's, it's part of the conversation, um, is this people in place is contextualization, you know, and I think we've made so many assumptions about our culture um, that, you know, you'll have guys who um, go into an area with a church planting prospectus or plan or whatever, and they've not lived there. They've not talked to anybody there. They've not had discussions with local uh, people, uh, local leaders, uh, mayors, teachers. You know, they th- so they've made all these assumptions about the place that they're going. And so I think it's huge that we encourage guys to don't assume your context. You know, don't assume that you know everything there is to know, especially in our state. I mean, you go from the Delta to South Arkansas, to Northwest Arkansas, to Northeast Arkansas, a lot of different dynamics there. Central Arkansas, Little Rock. Um, There's just a totally different context in our own state. Um, So you can't assume that just because you grew up in the South that you know every context in the South or know every nuance. Uh, I mean, just to give you an example where I live, Fayetteville and Bentonville are very different 
they're 45 minutes apart. They're all part of Northwest Arkansas, but man, there's a difference there. So do you know your context? Have you assumed your context? Um, let the people in place that God is sending you dictate what your church looks like, not the other way around. Right. And even within those contexts, uh, you know, the the identity and gifts and strengths of the planter is going to play into that as well and even change the dynamics, yeah. you know. Um, Absolutely. You know, the, the qualities of a leader in the Delta may be different than the qualities of a leader in Bentonville. Um, but both can be equally effective, um, you know, and all of that plays into calling. All of that plays into uh, people in place, and uh, and so it really needs to be a defining moment that um, you know exactly who God's calling you to. You know exactly where God is calling you to, and and that the 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 shape that the church takes is reflective of that people in context that, that yeah. you're being sent to. And um, we, you know, sometimes we fall in love with a model and ignore the context in which we're trying to plant that model. And that just, that's a bad mistake Absolutely. to make. And, uh, and so that context needs to drive what that looks like. So, all right, so we've, we've kind of dealt with calling. We've dealt with uh, people and place. Uh, you know, one of the other big questions that we get asked all the time and, and, and deal with, wrestle with, is is how many leaders do you need in place? What kind of core group do you need before you know, you officially, quote unquote, launch, <laughs> if, you, if you ever launch uh, and have an official launch, you, know, you may just continue to grow. Um, you know, we, we want church plants to be based off uh, evangelism that makes disciples that then gathers those disciples together. You do need some some leaders with you on this journey uh, to kind of help disciple and, and multiply yourselves. And so, you know, let's talk about kind of leadership in that core group and and when it's when it's a good time to launch. How many? What kind of leaders? All that kind of good stuff. Tim, oh wicked one, you're gonna forever be known. Three. The wicked. You need three. <laughs> three. three. Final answer. Three is the holy number. Seven, if you want another holy number. But uh. well, it, it it depends. Yeah. It depends on the people and the place you're going into, and and how you're going into. Whether you're going in with a uh, a hard launch or a large launch, or if you're going in with a soft launch, if it's God calling you and you're parachuting into a community that you, you're not familiar with. I think there's a lot of variables to the size of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm going to let you kind of take off on the the, the, the APES giftings and, and the leadership, how the leadership can work together. Not everybody has all the giftings or not all the, the gifts of the church and the leadership of the church and, and how that works. But uh, you, you need folks. You need partners. You need, yeah. you need help, whether it be a strong uh, uh supporting church that's sending some people to help you you know for for a few weeks or a few months or whether it be a a group of churches and association that's coming alongside of you to uh, to encourage and support but you you need some people who have bought into the vision whether it be five you know five couples or if you're launching large and looking to to be a, a strong attractional type church you know it may be 50 
in, yeah. in your core group. So I, I think context drives a lot of that and uh, your giftings and, and uh, again, I'm talking with my hands, <laughs> your giftings and, the, <laughs> and the, uh, um, the folks that God has brought alongside you, their giftings. What other pieces do you need to uh, part of that leadership team? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know there are a lot of variables and factors you know in that question. Um, you know, it's not just how many leaders do you have, or how many people. Let's say define people rather than leaders. How many people do you have in your core group? It's not just about a number. It's about um, are they driven by the same passion and vision? Are they heading in the same direction? That's a big factor in this. Uh, you can have a lot of people, and if they're all going in different directions, it's going to fragment quickly and fall apart. So it's not and, just... And do they sense the call to this people, yeah, to this group? Is exactly. It, is that call there mm-hmm. for them as well? Exactly. Sorry yes. to interrupt. No, you're good. You're good. And, and, and that's exactly right. And so everybody needs to be moving uh-huh. in the same direction. So whether you've got three couples or ten couples, if everybody's moving in the same direction, they all have a heart for evangelism and making disciples, they all are doing the work of exegeting their culture and tapping into the spheres of influence they have, then, then you've got a force to be reckoned with there. I mean, that's a, that's a you know, uh, Hugh Halter talks about, you know, moving to, to Denver uh, when they planted at Ulam uh, there, and there, there were three couples when they started. But all of them were spread out over the city in different places, different spheres of influence, and all of them had the same heart and passion for evangelism and making disciples, and so it, it, began, to, it began to grow. And uh, so as you're looking at the core group, it's not just about the number of people you have. And we typically say, you know, uh, anywhere from, you know, five to ten families is kind of necessary before you, you know, do any kind of public service. Um, they need to be the kind of leaders that have bought into the vision or headed in the same direction. And uh, Vision's key. Vision's vision is key. key. What, what is God calling you to be and to do each each church each local expression of the body of christ it, it's going to look different in in rural delta yep. community than it is in in an urban center like fayetteville or or, or uh, little rock um the context the vision that god's given you whether it be for a, a network of house churches or a large launch um, attractional mega church in the future kind of thing. It's it's uh, context, vision, what God's calling you to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many how many good solid leaders should you have? More, <laughs> you know, as many as you can get. You know, I mean, that's that's a that's something I hear a lot with church planters is, man, we just need more mature believers. There's something about church planting that, you know, if you're especially if you're winning new believers to Jesus, you know, having some mature Givers, not consumers. Uh, man, I, collect as many of them as you can, you know, and keep them as long as you can. Um, I, I, I think too, when you look at how many leaders should you have before launch, I think a lot of guys get bent out of shape about timeline, and what what I think they should be focused on is criteria. You know, a lot of guys say we're going to launch Easter of 2017. It's like, well, what if you've got five strong families meeting in your home but you really have done a lot of training with them but you've not done a lot of impact in the community like what if you're not ready by easter 2017 you know in other words let the criteria for planting when this is in place 
when we've done this, when we've gotten these three things together, then we're going to step out and launch, quote unquote. Uh, but don't don't launch on a timeline per se. Launch on a criteria. And I think a lot of guys who launch out and end up either, you know, <laughs> struggling, you know, in that early days or five years down the road still have this kind of 20 people they started with. Um, I think it's because they, they, they were too quick to, to go public with, with kind of stuff. And I mean, I think about Andrew Munnicky down at the Hill Church and how they started with missional communities and really did those for a year before they did any type of Sunday gathering. And I think he's starting to see the dividends of that now three years into his church plant. Yeah, and, and several of our church planters have done that. Kyle Reno at Summit Conway, they spent a year serving the city, uh, you know, and kind of building yeah. their leaders in their core group to to have the same heart, passion, vision, DNA, uh, so they could all move forward together. And launch date should be way down on your list of important factors <laughs> in deciding, you know, when Absolutely. when to move forward. And, 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 you know, Easter always sounds like a great spiritual day to launch a church. It's a terrible practical day to launch a church because you've got about a month and a half before summer hits. And, uh, and if you don't have significant momentum built up before you launch on Easter, then you're going to take a big hit attendance-wise uh, when June rolls around. And uh, so you're really, you know, in the, the life cycle of the church, it's the two-hump camel thing. You know, as the new year begins, you know, end of January, February, everybody's back in school, everybody's back in their routines, and church attendance and involvement typically uh, swells during the February, March, April, you know, May months, and then begins to die down with vacations and summer activities, June, July, August, it begins, end of August, it begins to swell back again because of school attendance and everything. So th- those are just some some factors to think about as well. Uh, but the the preparation and readiness uh, of your leaders and and your core group is far more important than than launch day. And can, uh, can you wait too late to launch? Can you wait too long to launch? I, I, I remember asking just about three or four years ago, a group of church planters. You know, what what advice would you give to the next guy? And all of them said, I'd wait longer to launch. I'd yeah. do more prep with my. I mean, to a T. Each one of them said the same thing. Yet. I, I wonder, I, I, a couple of examples in my head right now of guys who have core groups that are pushing them to go faster, yeah. pushing them to, to, to start the official service sooner. Yeah. Can you wait too long? I, I think you can if you're not doing anything outside of your core group uh, in preparation. I think if you're actively serving in the community, you're you're doing leadership development with your core, you're actively on mission, engaging those leaders in mission, serving the community, uh, then I don't think that that launch date is, is as important. If all you're doing is having Bible studies and you're not doing anything else, uh, then... Uh, yeah, you can wait too long because then it can close off. You can be a, a small group that closes off and nobody else can break in. And so um, so I think uh, you know, launching toward just a public service, uh, weekend service, uh, you got to get there at some point, but there's so much stuff to be done. And if you'll take your time and do it right before that service hits, then you know, things, will, things will go well. Since we've got Tim in the studio with us today and he's been helping us with our essential questions 
part one, part two to come in the future. We wanted to do rapid fire with him as well and let you get to see all of the, the hidden secrets that Tim Wicker is holding within and uh, that causes people to refer to him as the wicked. So, uh, so we're going to do rapid fire with Tim. So here we go. Top one or two books that have had the most impact on you. Uh, going back a little bit, probably Francis Schaeffer's He Is There and He Is Not Silent, kind of fundamental in my journey uh, forward in my faith. And then uh, here the last couple of years, I uh, have read several times, a couple of times and recommended highly Donald Miller's a Million Miles in a Thousand Years. How about your biggest strength in church planting? Uh, as strength, I, I, I like to. I think I'm helpful in, in uh, helping guys go from a vision to reality, helping them take the next steps to put together a plan to, to maybe the systems or the process. Tim is the next steps king. So uh, biggest weakness to overcome? I uh, tend to be a people pleaser and uh, <laughs> want everybody to like me, even if it means not getting some things done or doing way too many things. <laughs> All right, how about your favorite hobby or pastime? I like to fish out of a kayak. Bought a kayak a few years ago, and that's my release, getting out on the water by myself and uh, fishing out of the kayak. Favorite movie? Sergeant York with Gary Cooper. Okay, old school. Old school, favorite movie. (laughs) Favorite band or musician? Uh, One you need to look up on the internet and follow closely, the band Goon. (laughs) G-O-O-N. My son is the bassist in the group. New favorite band. Just came out with an extended play, so. Yeah. I listened to some of their music the other day, and I thought, this is some of the oddest stuff I've heard in a long time. But What, uh, what genre does it fit it, into? There is no genre. I'm telling you, from song to song, it changes. I, I would say kind of post-rock, a uh, little bit of, there's, there's a little bit of, punk sensibility Dusk of punk is their name of their album yeah yeah, yeah. and uh but some old school this is this is going to show my vast uh, love for music this there's some old school 1990s grunge elements not nirvana any of that group but like sonic youth dinosaur jr some That's of the more I was obscure thinking. Dinosaur i know jr. that you, I, knew, yeah. I know you would <laughs> be familiar with all of those but uh uh, but yeah, when I listened to it, I thought, man, this is this should they should have a video on on Matt Penfield's 120 minutes on MTV. BBC has for some reason picked it up and it's yep. getting some airtime over yep. in England. Yeah, weird. That's not surprising. The Brits are strange when it comes to their musical tastes. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, what do you expect from a band called Goon? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, that's it's not right. going to be pop, right? That's right. That's right. But good stuff. I I I enjoyed it. I, you know, of course, I like odd music and and uh, things that capture my attention, and it is different. I I thought it was really cool. All of the all of the band comes out of Biola University. They met yeah. at Biola and and uh, have been playing together some on and off the last few years. Yeah, uh, that's great. That's great. All right. Well, there's uh, somewhat rapid fire with the illustrious Tim Wicker, and uh, that'll get you, give you insight into his soul uh, a little bit more. And so we're going to kick it to story time with Uncle Neil now. It's story time with Uncle Today's story comes from Unity Bible Baptist Church in Little Rock and the new planter, Maurice Brister. 
After being in the church planting process for some time, a great opportunity to replant an existing church presented itself to Maurice. Unity Bible Baptist Church is a church that was planted almost two decades ago, but over the last year slipped into a decline in membership. After accepting the call to lead the existing church, Maurice has seen an increase in Sunday attendance from five people to over 20 in less than a few weeks, with several families actually joining the church. In the last few months, the church has reestablished its connection to the community with plans to do more outreach. Unity's story proves that planting comes in very different forms. We want to hear your story. Email us at thegrind at absc.org. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. What is this? I'm still sore I never read Moby Dick. I'm very important. You never read anything I asked you to. Uh, I have... Many leather-bound books. Let's look at Chad and Dave's bookshelf. All right, it's now time for uh, Chad and Dave's bookshelf with the addition of Tim as well. So for this episode, it's Chad, Dave, and Tim's bookshelf. Or Tim, Chad, and Dave's, or or however, whatever concoction you want to, uh, to put in there for that. So we're going to talk about some books that uh, we're reading, and uh, hopefully they will be uh, helpful to you, as they have been for us. And so I will start this week. Uh, I have been recommended this book by several different people, and Chad actually recommended it uh, a few podcasts ago. And so I finished, or just about finished, with Dangerous Calling by Paul David Tripp. And, uh, and I tell you, we've been talking a lot about uh, unhealthy pastoral culture, practices, things like that that can lead to burnout and kind of an over self-inflated egos and, and uh, different things like that. And this was such a great kind of spiritual checkup uh, kind of book. Uh, I thought uh, it got a little redundant and repetitive at some points in the book, uh, so that's one of my critiques. I did not like his discussion of preaching, uh, the his his method for putting sermons together. I'm sh- not sure is attainable for most guys, but uh, but on the whole, as a spiritual checkup, I think it's something that everybody needs to read and and really answer honestly some of the questions he asked there. And we probably need to do this you know, at least once a year and then unpack some of those things with some, some accountability partners. So uh, great book. Highly recommend it uh, as well. Uh, Tim, Chad, who wants to go next? Well, I will go next since I'm <laughs> sitting right here. Uh, Reclaiming Glory, Revitalizing Dying Churches by Mark Clifton, a book I've read recently and I've been sharing uh, quite a bit uh, around Great overview of uh, where, where do we go? We, we have 16 churches a year over the last 10 years on average that close each year here in Arkansas. What do we do uh, with the facilities? How do we help get ahead of some of the churches that are dying and help revitalize them and help or help restart them? Um, he, he identifies four ways of... Uh, of restarting in some way, shape, or form, sharing building with a new church start uh, is an option he, he highlights, giving uh, giving the building up to the association and to another church to start something new in that building or, or over to a solid existing church to use as a campus for a start, maybe merging with another church and, and either merging into your building or, or uh, um, going into theirs and giving yours up or, or starting over with 
the existing people. Um, and, and, and it's a, he's identified these, we have identified these and shared, shared with many others. He does a really good job of, of uh, talking about what it takes to restart that, that final uh, section there, that final option. Uh, how, do you, how do you restart? What, what are some of the characteristics of a good restarter or replanter? Awesome book. Highly recommend it. Uh, got some uh, very practical um, very practical stuff there. Good. Chad? Yeah, no need to read it now that you've told us you know, basically everything <laughs> there is in there. So that's a good. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, today I, I would recommend Songs of Jesus by my favorite uh, author, Pastor Tim Keller. Um, not Nothing new there, recommending a Tim Keller book. But uh, Songs of Jesus is kind of... I think it was birthed out of his own personal devotional walk through the Psalms. And uh, so he takes you uh, day by day through a whole year through the Psalms. And what I, what I really like about it is it's really short. So I listen to it on audiobook. Um, and it's probably two minutes a day. So it's real short. He gives a few verses from the Psalms, a little bit of commentary, and then a prayer. And I've found it just to be real helpful because um, my typical devotional pattern is to read through a Bible plan every year. I've been doing that for about eight plus years now, maybe ten years now, of just reading through the Bible every year. And so I, I found it helps to have a devotional book that gives you kind of some short something to walk away from with every every day. Because there are days when you're in Leviticus in that reading plan or, you know, uh, something like that. And it's just kind of hard sometimes to walk away with something every day from your Bible reading. Uh, at least for me it is because I'm not as spiritual. But, uh, but having this, having a devotional like Songs of Jesus or something else that every day you can kind of walk away w- with a truth that you're not really having to dig for yourself. I don't recommend that as your, your, your steady diet, but as a compliment to your Bible reading. Uh, Songs of Jesus is definitely good. Not a lot of time to to to, uh, to to do it, but for planters, you've got to have that regular time with Jesus um, as part of of what you're doing in church planting. If you're not spending time with Him, recharging, uh, it's definitely going to hurt you in your ministry. Great stuff, great stuff. I'm actually looking at a Tim Keller book for our next bookshelf. I will leave that as a mystery up to this point mm-hmm. and share next time we record. And so uh, for all my Reformed brethren and friends out there, uh, hey, that's coming. You know. So there you go. All right. I'll so, believe it when I see it. <laughs> yeah, I'll believe it yeah. when I see it. Oh, you just wait. You just wait. <laughs> it's coming. All right. And uh, so there you go. Uh, three new books to, uh, to kind of peruse and hopefully will be encouragements to you, helps to you, challenges to you, and uh, we recommend those those highly. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, a couple of things coming up. Uh, by the time this podcast airs, we will be right in the middle of our annual ABSC uh, meeting, convention gathering at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Little Rock. And uh, so uh, we'll be in full swing. We're going to try and do some live interviews uh, there at the meeting and catch up with some of our church planners there.
there, some of our uh, great partner church pastors, and uh, get some thoughts from them. So we'll have kind of a compilation episode from the ABSC annual meeting coming up. So that ought to be a lot of fun, off-the-cuff, non-scripted. Who knows what these guys will say So, uh, or what I'll say. And so uh, about that time, uh, well, Chad won't be having the baby, but Jessica will be having a child. And uh, due date the 21st, is that correct? 21st of October, yeah. Yes, so so baby Hayes will be coming into the world, and uh, so that is a big coming soon uh, there for them, and uh, Ezra will have a, a playmate and somebody to beat up as they grow up, which will be awesome. And, uh, and so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, then we're going to try and catch up with uh, Dean Fulks uh, coming soon, LifePoint Church in Columbus, Ohio, and Chanson Newborn of Fellowship Community Church in Forest City, Arkansas. Those will be fun interviews, uh, as well as our part two of our essential questions coming up. So there's a few things to look forward to, and I hope you join us for that. Uh, continue to check us out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram for updates uh, on that. You can see all the addresses there in the show notes on our website, absc.org, uh, church planting page. Uh, continue to send us emails at the grind at absc.org, and uh, we're going to start some book giveaways soon. Uh, shoot us a review on iTunes, screenshot that, send it to us. We'd love to see your reviews there on iTunes, share with your friends, all that good stuff. And uh, so check us out there. I uh, hope you enjoy the podcast and continue to enjoy it, and we'll keep trying to bring some fun stuff to you. So signing off for this week, I'm Dave McClung, Audios. Chad, to you. Keep grinding. Keep grinding as always. Tim, thanks for hanging. Thanks for the opportunity to share. And lovely as always, our production minister, Nick Burt. That's me. (laughs) Man of many words. All right, see you guys next time.